Hey guys, I wanted to shout out a friend of the podcast, Lunchbox. Lunchbox is an anti-theft hydration pack designed to be your most reliable companion at music festivals. The pack is built to be theft-proof. It's made of ballistic nylon, which is cut-proof, and has inverted zippers, so you can have peace of mind while you're dancing all night. It also features a 2-liter no-leak hydration bladder, customizable skins that zip on and off, and its dimensions are made to fit most major festival requirements. Plus, you have a phone pocket on the front strap and light show wires that you can string on your pack so your bag can glow at night, making you easier to find in a crowd. It is the only hydration pack I will wear at events, and I couldn't recommend it more. Head to lunchboxpacks.com, that's lunchboxpacks.com, and use code CAPOTUS for $11 off orders of $50 or more. That's lunchboxpacks.com and use code CAPOTES, K-A-P-O-T-E-S, for $11 off orders of 50 or more. Get your orders in so they come in time for EDC. Hey guys, in this episode, I am joined by house artist and producer and founder of the label Fresh Squeeze, Landis. Landis's music has caught the attention of major labels like Hexagon, Mad Decent, Spinning Records, and Dimac, just to name a few. He also runs Wired Sound Academy, a premier DJ and music production school located in Fort Lauderdale for aspiring artists. I'm so excited for him to share his stories and experiences from working in this industry for the past 10 years. So with all that being said, let's get into it. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Rave Culture Cast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals, and more. I am your host, Emma Capotis. How are we all feeling, people? Oh my gosh, let me just tell you. Today, the day that I'm recording is the day after the EDC announcement, and let me just say, we're feeling we're feeling a lot of things. We're feeling excited. We're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling a little stressed and pressed for time, but it's all going to be good. <sighs> Collectively, we need to take a deep breath. Okay, and we're reset. We're calm. The energy, I'm bringing the energy today, you guys. So a couple quick announcements before we dive into today's interview. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Landis. If you aren't already familiar with him, he is going to provide you with all the fun, bouncy, groovy house beats that you need in your life. Um, and his history and just experience in this industry is really really cool so we're going to talk a lot about like record labels and producing your own music and getting that released and the marketing behind it and we're also going to talk about his production school which is really cool so all of those good things okay two major announcements number one you guys I decided to drop the merch line a week in advance okay I got really excited I didn't want to wait till the 21st so if you're watching on YouTube, um, the new mini Plur collection is officially live. You guys can go out, pick up any of the items. I'm so excited for this collection, you guys. I love it. I have been wearing these items around the house so, so, so much. I've got a hoodie, t-shirt, long sleeves, face masks, which I love. I've been wearing the face masks a lot. I have stickers, a mug, a tote bag, and a tank top. I believe that's everything. So if you guys want to support the podcast, definitely go pick up the Plur collection. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. So that's officially out. There will be a link in the show notes if you want to buy anything. And then second, I want to ask you guys a question. You listening, I'm asking you a question. Can you imagine what it would feel like to finally launch your podcast and know that your message is being heard out there by audiences around the world. If you are a person that's ever wanted to launch a podcast, can you picture what that feeling would feel like? Well, that is basically my goal with my brand new course, How to Successfully Create and Launch a Podcast from Scratch, which is now officially open for enrollment. I am so excited about this new course, you guys. You have no idea. In this six-week I can't talk. <laughs> In this six week course, you guys are going to go, you're going to stop second guessing yourself. You're going to throw away any excuses that you might have about how much time or how much money it's going to take. You're finally going to take your ideas for your podcast and we are going to successfully turn them into a high quality podcast that you will be able to easily distribute yourself. 
I'm teaching you literally everything you need to know about creating a podcast from scratch to launch within the six weeks. You will launch your podcast. No more excuses. It's freaking happening. So if you guys want to invest in yourself, if this is something you're interested in, if you just want to do it, like no more hesitating, you guys. It is my personal mission to assist you and support you throughout this entire process. I have now launched two podcasts myself and I can tell you the exact framework I use so that you guys can do it as well. Um, each week of the six weeks, you will receive a live lesson from me in our weekly group meetings. And you're also going to have access to a community group chat, which was the most amazing community when I launched my first course in January. So you have support in that community every single day. So if you guys are ready to invest in yourself, if you are interested in this course or you know you want to register, there will be a link in the show notes with all of the information you need and a breakdown of everything you'll be learning So you guys can go ahead and register just so you're aware right now I'm doing a pre-sale week. So until next Monday, I'm offering the course at $100 off of the full price. So you will save $100 if you register now through Monday. Um, So act while you can to get that deal. And then next Wednesday, it'll go up to full price. So anyway, with all that being said, you guys, really quickly, I'm going to do my weekly affirmation and then we'll jump right into the episode. So my affirmation for the week is I have limitless belief in myself. I have limitless belief in myself. I think this one is super fitting for this week. Um, Landis is going to talk a lot about how he grew his career and finding his sound and everything like that. And I just personally connect with this as well. Like you guys, whether it's launching your own podcast, doing your own thing, starting a YouTube channel, putting yourself out there, like have limitless belief in yourself because no one else is going to do it for you that has to come from within so we're going to project that out into the world today have an incredible day guys wherever you're listening from let's do this thing please join me in welcoming landis to the podcast so you guys today my guest is an incredible house producer based out of miami Um, He's had releases on Hexagon Records, Matt Decent, Spinning Records, to name a few, and has recently started his own label, Fresh Squeeze. If you aren't already bumping his music, you will be all this summer. So please join me in welcoming Landis to the podcast. What is up, (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, here working in the studio. So, you know, working on new tunes, trying to get ready for summer hopefully we got some shows coming up and Not you're sure in yet. miami too right yeah yeah it's it's been uh it's been interesting here because it's pretty much like no COVID's going on yeah um so you know i had i played a show actually like a couple months ago in fort lauderdale which is like right near miami mm-hmm. uh, and it's weird some people are wearing masks some people aren't they try to distance people and stuff but now, like, the past, like, couple of weeks with, like, spring break, it's just been, like, all mayhem. Like, no Oh, one. my God. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's looking like things are opening up. I was going to ask, what are your predictions for the rest of the year? Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, it's going to be pretty massive for the music industry and, like, live shows. People, mm-hmm. I feel like almost at the end of 2019, like, when I would go to the clubs out here, you can kind of see fatigue. Like, people were kind of getting tired of going mm-hmm. out, bottle service, the whole, the whole nine. And I think that this is going to, like, you know, make people realize what we lost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with live events and, and being able to go to shows. So I think it's actually going to be insane probably for, like, the next three to five years, I, w- I would say, for live events. 100%. I heard something, too. It was, like, we're reliving the Roaring Twenties, which yeah. I don't know how that happened, but we kind of, yeah. I feel like that's what's about to happen. <laughs> Hopefully no World War in the future either. Yes. <laughs> very true, very true. But um, are you originally, like, born and raised in Miami? Yeah, so born and raised in South Florida, probably, like, uh, 45 minutes from Miami or so. Okay. Um, yeah, same with my uh, my mom lived here, too, grew up in, like, the 70s here. Wow, so, okay. Uh, yeah, cool. so I've been here my whole life permanent resident yeah yep florida man (laughs) um i was gonna ask you too like i know it's like you said it's up and running but miami i've only been twice but i was gonna say even pre-pandemic like it just seems to be absolutely booming especially for like the house and techno scene and even with shows coming back i know they're doing like some socially distanced and some not like you said like some fully open but what's your experience like there like do you still go out to shows just as a fan and what what places do you like to hit up 
So I've still been pretty cautious, um, mainly waiting on mm-hmm. my family members and stuff, my parents to get the vaccine. Um, but I've been out a couple times to like spots in Fort Lauderdale. Like there's this place, Rose that opened up. There's a lot of like cool little kind of more underground places that popped up. Like because mm-hmm. live story, the main players aren't mm-hmm. really, they didn't open up. Um, so it gave way to kind of these new little venues. Um, like this one in Rose is kind of like almost like a dive bar club it's like a dive club you know mm-hmm. okay. uh, really interesting vibe but yeah they they love tech house and stuff there so i've been there a couple times um and then miami was really strict i mean they just reinforced the curfew um so a lot of the shows there were cut off at 12 a.m anyways um you know i know a lot of good stuff's been going on at like treehouse and stuff like that's one of my favorite me- venues in miami but i haven't been there yet since uh the curfew and everything yep, so, yep. yeah yeah really just more local and then just i uh, played a couple shows myself cool pre-covid and everything like that like were you are you a person that likes to go out a lot or i mean i get the impression that you're very busy it sounds like you have a lot going on <laughs> so i mean it's it's always like awesome when a friend's playing to go out and support you know mm-hmm. uh, that's the main time you'd see me out partying is is when like one of my friends are playing a set or yeah something or one someone from hexagon is here or something like that mm-hmm. um but festivals on the other hand I, I love festivals i'm not a okay. huge club person as, as far as like attending clubs right right attending festivals all day you'd see oh, me out at edc and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> i was gonna ask wait what are some of your favorite festivals yeah like uh you know i've been to ultra a couple times i haven't played it but uh it's it's cool it's very crowded and it's been kind of uh a little crazy with my, the city of Miami, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not really sure in the future of that. Like people always ask me, like, what's Ultra like? Mm-hmm. Um, EDC. I'm I'm just like a massive EDC fan. I've Same. been to probably like eight or nine like EDC wow. Orlando, Vegas. I went to EDC New York when it was there for like two mm-hmm. years. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just yeah one of the biggest fans of EDC in general. Oh, that's so awesome. Wait, so how long? Because I want to take, obviously, I want to take your story back a little bit and like find out how you got into all of this. But were you, yeah, were you a little bit of a raver beforehand or like what oh, got yeah. you into dance music? Yeah, so so early age, discovered DJing when I was like 12 or 13. My brother's uh, friend uh, was, was a DJ and, you know, I was like, oh, this looks like, you know, something that'd be, that'd be fun to go party mm-hmm. and, yeah, as a 13 year old. Right. Uh, playing like birthday parties, stuff like that. Uh, so I started DJing then, um, and then through high school, I was always like the DJ for high school parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I was like 17, my brother took me to Ultra. Uh, so this is like 2009 or something like that. Yeah, 2009. Oh, okay. Um, yep. I went to Ultra for the first time, and that's when I really discovered like electronic music, like mm-hmm. what actual DJ sets could be as opposed to just like the background music for a party. Mm-hmm. At that, that time, it was still pretty like the DJ scene wasn't as mainstream, especially for a 17 year old. Right. You know, people, like what was big was like Lil Wayne, like rappers, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was top at that moment. Um, so like Tiesto was almost like underground at that time, which is, which is right. Hard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I discovered it at 17 by going to ultra. Um, and then, you know, from there I was like, you know, the biggest artists to me were like, uh, like pretty lights, um, you know, pe- people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think, Super Smash Bros. Was it Super Smash Bros? Some of the matchups, oh, yeah. girl talk. <laughs> yeah. That that was like my. I, I wanted oh to be a my matchup. God. Yes, DJ. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> matchup DJ. I'm gonna make the best mashups in the game. That was so. That's actually how I got into producing. Was trying to actually make mashups. Okay. Um. So that's yeah, so I'm sure there's some some of my old mashups floating around there. Wait, uh, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2010. Oh, okay, okay. I was 2009. I was gonna say people, yeah, people our age will know who Girl Talk is, but I've mentioned that before because that was the first, I guess, technically DJ I ever saw yeah. live in college. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I always want. I like. I wonder what happened to those guys. I haven't, I haven't seen. I that know. Ever. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah. still around. I know Caps. I was on there. Yep, yep. 100. percent That's so funny. So you did some mashups first. So yeah, I started uh, learning Ableton and uh, got some private tutoring when I was like 18 for trying to be a mashup DJ mm-hmm. um, went to UCF in Orlando and it was a really it was an awesome time there it was like um, the time when Henry Fong uh, Kilogram Dallas mm-hmm. K they were all there like doing this it was um, like these small house parties stuff like that oh, wow. uh, so I became friends with like Henry and, and stuff like that uh, during so that cool. time there it was yeah it was really local like you know, literally mm-hmm. a, a little small club that everyone played at on what was called Riot Wednesdays. 
Wow. Uh, so that was, yeah, my early introduction into, like, the dance world was, like, meeting mm-hmm. Henry and, and Dallas Gay, people like that. Wow. And so were you doing, what were you doing in school? What were you studying? Uh, studying psychology is just pretty much, Totally yeah. random, yeah. <laughs> in Florida, there's something called um, Bright Futures, or uh, there's also, like, it's like pretty much like a scholarship program. Mm-hmm. So I had that. I really wanted to go to Full Sail, um, which was... Okay. Like, you know it's like a music production academy mm-hmm. uh but my family is pretty much like now nah, you have this full scholarship like yeah i really just did ableton lessons and, and all that stuff at the same time cool um, you know and just okay kind of living the college life yeah, yeah yeah so then did you but that's pretty amazing though like the exposure that you had just to that though and like you said you were just doing the thing so you were kind of learning on the job as you were going yeah you know like i think it was in like hindsight really fortunate that I, I almost went to FSU, which is like in Tallahassee. Hmm. Um, and it didn't have that same like group of people coming up at the time that were like mm-hmm. really like, electronic music specifically. Right. So I think that it really exposed me to like the electronic scene mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, being in Orlando at that time. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I actually got an internship in South Florida, uh, ironically. So I was driving up and down from Orlando to South Florida like every weekend. Uh, to okay. work in a studio down here oh, cool. uh, um, and it was the like uh, Dayglow Life in Color studio mm-hmm. okay so I started interning for Dayglow it's like the, the massive oh that's so awesome yeah 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 um, for the DJ there is like DJ Solano who is uh, like their you resident. were blowing my mind right now like these were all my first shows that was my first yeah. like yeah, yeah literally my first EDM show <laughs> making a podcast for Dayglow I was doing a lot of like the back end oh, stuff so, yeah because they're based out of Florida right um, yeah that's yeah, their headquarters Florida. yeah so I was okay. working at like, a studio that was attached to the Dayglow office cool. at the time uh, yeah. so there I think I played like you know, Life in Color, Miami, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When it started to become more of a festival and, and stuff. Wow. But yeah, just kind of interning for their DJ and stuff like that. Cool. So, I was going to say that was when they were like absolutely booming too, because they yeah. were just touring all the time and like growing like crazy. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And they were they're pretty young guys too at the time. They were like 28, you know, 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. They were, they were destroying the scene. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, just like as fans too, I'm sure a lot of people within like the 2010 to, you know, 2013 timeframe too, when it was just like exploding into like mainstream, that's when a lot of people were getting into it. And that was my first show as well, Life in Color in New Jersey. So yeah, it's like a catalyst for people. Yeah, yeah, they they did a good job, I think, at engaging like the college crowd and and people like that weren't really into dance music that were like, Mm -hmm. oh, go have an experience. Right. Uh, you know, which is kind of what like EDC did, but just on a way more massive scale mm-hmm. was just yeah. like, drawing people in with this like carnival experience and then mm-hmm. goes to all this amazing electronic music. So the paint, yeah. So were you producing at this time? Uh, yeah. So starting from like 18, um, I started producing on Ableton and then, you know, the, the swap, it was working for free and it was like, you know, mm-hmm. I would do all this kind of grunt work in exchange. They would give me like an hour of showing me you know, some, some tips on Ableton and stuff like that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So then where did it go from there? What, like, what were the next few years like? Yeah. From there, like my first remix, um, I got my first remix opportunity with Solano for Robbie Rivera. I don't know if you know Robbie. Okay. Yeah. Cool guy also. Um, so, and we did that remix. It did decent and got me recognized by another record label, which was uh, CR2, which is a Mm. little more, uh, tech housey. Uh, they're still around, not as big of a presence, I think, as they mm-hmm. used to have. Uh, they signed uh, another remix that they asked me to do. And then I'm trying to think after that. It, it was always just like kind of a series of people hearing my music from like mm-hmm. other labels or remixing other artists until eventually I released on like Spin In or, or Hexagon. Right, right, right. That. Okay. Um, that's kind of how it was early on because it wasn't like you didn't get like Spotify playlisted. That mm-hmm. was like the thing. It was like the labels were kind of the power players and, and kind of gearing where people listen to electronic music it was like mm-hmm. oh, it was released on this record label or this record label. Right, uh, right. And that just kind of spiraled from one label to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that people that I've talked to in person that are in the industry um, that they always like notice about me is that I've released on like literally Matt Decent, mm-hmm. Mock, Spinnin, Armada, like yep. e, e, you know. Um, pretty much all over the place. So 
that's crazy uh, were you on soundcloud too like just posting your own stuff or yeah yeah i would say uh my traction i was really at that time like focused on trying to get on like hardwell on air and like mm-hmm. or charts that was like yeah. it, the pinnacle uh but i was on soundcloud but i yeah the most stuff that got me noticed was like the hardwell on airplays and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's crazy like also in hindsight how big of a pull like just being played on a radio show used to be right right yeah, yeah. no you're so yeah like like you said on playing on spotify or some of the different charts like bport and stuff like that now it's like if you hit a yeah. certain point then it's just like escalates from there pretty much yeah exactly crazy so were you playing like did you start playing shows more often was it more local yeah simultaneously um i got introduced to an agent and, and all that when i was releasing on like robbie rivera's label i got introduced to his agent mm-hmm. uh, so he started getting me some shows um and then i started to hit it a little bit with the like melbourne bounce sound which was Ooh, like cool. oro yeah uh, they are like that kind of style um, so I started to gain some like traction there and started touring and, and really, you know, going across the country, played you know, in Sweden and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And then that genre just like completely died off. Like, right. <laughs> once. So then I was like, uh, all right, you know, kind of trying to adjust my sound. Mm-hmm. Um, from then, I just kind of focused on just house music that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'd say like it was actually probably fortunate because I'd still probably be making the same electro bounce sound if Mm -hmm. something like that didn't happen right Um, right since that point i've always been trying to evolve my sound and kind of you know not focus on trends but just like kind of keep my ear to the ground and and try and push myself like push my boundaries because Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the only way that i'll create something like that sounds great you know it's just pushing it right 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 you actually it's so funny that you said like feel good house music because i was going to ask you like how you eventually evolved your sound but that you answered my question already i love that you said that though because i feel like house music right now just keep it just keeps having this resurgence and i feel like all these subgenres of it right now are just exploding like tech house is having a moment and like even disco house is kind of like but there's also this i don't know sometimes i call it groovy house but i don't know feel good house uplifting house i guess you could call it that's having a moment as well yeah yeah, I, I think that house music will always have like its you know core fan base, and then mm-hmm. there are subgenres that people go crazy for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was one of the reasons. Like, I almost you know tried to make a trap song, and I was like, nah, this isn't this isn't. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm just gonna stick to house music. I know it's gonna come back. This is like in like 2016 mm-hmm. uh, when house music was kind of not really in the forefront. Yeah. Uh, and I was still just making house music mm-hmm. um, and I just have always kind of believed in the house music sound and just like the the feeling that it gives mm-hmm. uh, so it's really cool to me to see like you know like MK or like you know these these songs that sound almost like 90s like house music mm-hmm. that, are, that are popping off today like just like this you know piano house sound and stuff like that so so good yeah I was gonna say like I feel like people even um, like Dombreski or I love LPGOB right now I think she's doing a really cool thing it's just yep. It's interesting to hear all these people have their own styles, but you named a couple people so far. Who? What are some other artists that you were kind of looking up to? Um, like recently or just in the past? I guess, yeah, when you were kind of developing your sound. I mean, like the big room guys were, were huge, like Showtech, Hardwell, mm-hmm. um, Chucky, you know, guys yeah. like that were like the pinnacle for me at the time. Uh, but then, you know, my sound, it, like, you know, like it's, it's crazy to me. I didn't know who MK was until like maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was already so massive. Right. So it's, it's always funny to me where I'm just like, you know, just going about listening through Spotify or something like that. <laughs> and it's an artist. I'm like, oh, this is dope. And I'm like, oh, wait, they're massive. And I just yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of them. I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah. Another one's like vintage culture. Like, um, yes. I, absolutely massive artist never heard of him until uh it it is what it is the song that came out recently mm, okay um, which is like you know kind of just a, a feel-good house track. yeah and it's so it funny like, you don't I, know what you don't know though you know what i mean i didn't t- discover yeah. vintage culture until i was watching the edc mexico live stream in in 2020 last february and i i like made the mistake of commenting that in the chat i'm like oh my god who are these guys and people are like are you fucking joking yeah. <laughs> i'm like oops i'm gonna excuse myself now <laughs> It, it's just it's so cool because there's so many like pockets of just massive fan bases and then you mm-hmm. just kind of like tap into it and you're like wow i did not realize that this person was massive in mexico yeah. or you know 
have yeah, to. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about um, some of the music festivals now that are becoming more, I guess, like you could say one genre festival? Because I know they announced one called ARC, which is going to be in Chicago, I think, Labor Day weekend, and it's an all-house music festival. Yeah, I mean, I think that that has kind of happened in the past just on a smaller scale, Mm -hmm. you know, like with an all-trap lineup or like an all, like, you know, future house lineup. but since, like you said, there's so many of these subgenres with in-house, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of one genre, but at the same time, like, you know, yeah. listen to a tech house track compared to, like, a big room house track, it's, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I mean, some people group that all under one facet, mm-hmm. but it really isn't anymore. I think it's just evolved so much, uh, even though they're all at, like, 120 beats per minute to, like, 130 beats per minute, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. The actual sound is so different. Right, right. We'll still be able to get like, you know, going hard and then kind of like more laid back, deep house vibes, you know, on Mm. different stages, stuff like that. Yeah. So interesting. Do you think your taste has changed too as you've worked in this industry? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I listen to like a bounce track now, I'm like, yeah, it's it's (laughs) Um, versus like, you know, hearing like a feel good, like MK track or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I just, I try and liken everything to just emotions and how. The mm-hmm. track physically makes you feel right um, and then trying to when i produce myself trying to emulate like what am i trying to feel like what you know mm-hmm. what kind of feeling do i want to get from this track is it more just kind of laid back you know just chilling on the beach or mm-hmm. is it kind of going hard or is it just like you just feel good when you listen to it you know right right i think the best tracks definitely evoke some specific emotion mm-hmm. uh, people and it's kind of consistent through all listeners you know yeah no I totally agree with you and even like do you approach it the same too when you're playing different types of events because I was gonna say if you play a music festival versus like a small club in Florida is it still kind of the same tone or do you kind of switch it up yeah I definitely try and read the room like when I have a set I usually have about 200 tracks or so loaded up Mm -hmm. um and then just based on the vibe of the room if they're you know if they're feeling like the more energetic stuff then i'll play more of that you know i'll, I'll just kind of test things out live um and just see what what the vibe is because right. you really don't know until you get there like you can plan all you want mm-hmm. but like if the crowd isn't feeling it then you just got to kind of like switch up on the fly right um, right unless you're like you know uh, uh don diablo or someone where everyone knows every song mm-hmm. it's a little uh, yeah. but at my level where you know maybe people know a track or two but a lot of the other music mm-hmm. that I have I don't necessarily know you have to be a little more flexible I feel like in your set uh, to, to play to the crowd and make sure everyone's sure. having a, a good time yeah do you get nervous before shows still <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah every time I can't uh, imagine, <laughs> especially when people have time off too. I'm like, are they going to feel all these nerves again going well, back to shows after this? Been, like whenever I played like a three show weekend where it'd be like here, here, here by, by show two, I felt fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that first show. And it's not even like getting nervous about playing. It's more about getting nervous about stuff going wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've had it happen. Uh, I, I always, and I always, I'm like, all right, that's the worst thing that could have possibly happened. So right. it get much worse than that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like I always think about this one moment at it was Life in Color in uh, probably 2011, mm-hmm. and I was playing with uh, my buddy Crespo like a back-to-back set, which we hadn't done before, mm-hmm. and uh, we were opening for Dirty South, and this is probably in front of like six thousand or seven thousand people. Yeah. I just I don't I was like you know 19 or 20 at the time. I accidentally just like cut the volume. I, I have no idea why. I was, it was probably just nerves, and I thought I was, I was you know, switching to the next channel. Mm-hmm. Cut the volume, and just dead silence in front of, like, 7,000 people. Oh, and no. we still hear it in our headphones, so we're like, why did everyone, like, why is everyone going, like, oh. <laughs> That's, like, you know, my nightmare. It happened. Yeah. And, uh, so I always think about that. I'm like, all right, I can't get much, much worse than that. Right, right, yeah. And everyone has to live through these experiences, too. Like, it's happened to everybody in some sort. Like, somebody spilled a drink on it yep. or, like, yeah. I can't even yeah. imagine, but it's a good, you survived. You're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh man. Well, no, I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited for you guys, especially like to have shows come back and everything. Like what, what does the rest of the year look like for you? Do you have stuff planned out? Yeah. Well, I know I was looking at, um, I had a couple of venues in like Denmark, uh, Dubai, Sweden, uh, that mm-hmm. were looking to book me. Um, so I'm hoping that we can 
get those shows going again. Mm-hmm. I, I love to see those places also. I'm a huge, like, I just love traveling. Um, okay. Honestly, so I love seeing new places and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime I see, like, an email come in for, like, oh, maybe you're going to go to Dubai, I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. So cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so hopefully some, some places like that would be awesome. Um, trying to talk to the EDC people to see about it. I played EDC a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I'm trying to see, you know, I've also worked with their uh, label with Insomniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe hopefully getting on an EDC lineup or something like that. We're manifesting for- it. Yeah. <laughs> as many times as possible. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, yeah, just trying to put out as, as much feel good music as possible. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the music that came out the past couple of years or not the past couple of years, but since COVID it's mm-hmm. been a little downer or trying to gear towards radio or like you know and mm-hmm. now that clubs and stuff are more open i'm i'm personally going to be putting out like more just club music just stuff that right will will go off in the club yeah uh, which is kind of a little bit more where my passion lays mm-hmm. you can feel good club music that will play out and, and mm-hmm. party party tune awesome yeah. yeah you're so right it is it definitely is different a different experience even with people releasing music and only getting to play it on live streams this past year i like i can't imagine have you done a lot of live streams at all i actually haven't i haven't done any live streams you know and i'm not like against them or anything i Mm -hmm. just uh you know i just never really saw a perfect moment and i didn't want to be flooding people's feeds like Mm -hmm. checking me out live (laughs) i I like i think experience-based stuff is like everything Obviously, mm-hmm. COVID, you know, that wasn't a possibility. Right. Uh, but I just believe in, in that the experience just won't be the same mm-hmm. versus, you know, in person. Yeah, I hear uh, you on that one. I And I think there's like, there's something about it just in general with live streaming where you like as the person being on the other end, you kind of just have to keep your energy levels up no matter how many people show up, if that makes sense. So it's yeah. like. And it's, it's just weird, like, you, you thrive off of probably the crowd and, like, their energy and everything like that. So just to be performing in your room and, like, the corner of your bedroom, it's got to be such a weird... I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and keeping, like, you can't read it a crowd. There is no crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for a little, like, heart emojis. You know? Yeah, exactly. I know. Oh, that's all right. Well, you build, you've kept busy in other ways. I mean, can you talk a little bit now? Like, well, actually, I'll ask you this first because I want to know a little bit about how these different labels that you mentioned have played a role in your career because I know a big one is hexagon and don diablo's label can you talk a little bit about that relationship yeah so uh so hexagon i released i think my first track with them i want to say in like 2016 or 17 i have to double check Mm -hmm. um and it just came from i think someone a friend gave me don's email um and i sent him a a demo that was like a a rough at the time Mm -hmm. this is cool like you know they're they're putting together an ad uh ade uh sample mix Mm -hmm. or, or sample pack I'm sorry, not sample pack, an ADE compilation pack uh, for Hexagon. I think it was like the first ADE compilation pack. Um, would I want to be featured on it? And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, that was like 2016 or 17. And then just over the years, you know, whenever I have a new track that I make, I send it to probably like three to five different labels to gauge reactions, see who would be uh, interested. Um, and just the relationship with, like I said, I've released with a lot of labels and just Hexagon. Mm-hmm. Just, they just do it right. And I'm, I'm absolutely like in love with their, the fan base and just like the mm-hmm. Hexagon. Yeah. The Hexagonians, the, the fan yeah. is like unbelievable and supportive. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not something that I've seen from any other label or just a uh, community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, yeah. So I, I just, I wanted to kind of lean into that more because, um, I think it's a, a real community that is like something truly special in the mm-hmm. world um is the, the hexagon community That's uh so, cool. so yeah from there just kept releasing music we did about uh three more singles together i want to say um and then i was like hey you know I've, i'd been releasing music on fresh squeeze on my own label for maybe two years mm-hmm. uh, when i you know didn't have a label or something like that but i wanted to put it out i was just like all right i'm just gonna put it out on, on my own Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, would you guys want to be maybe team up on Fresh Squeeze? And they said, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. They definitely do have like a huge loyal following, too. And I think it's interesting just when you see like an artist release with like a label like that, too. I just feel like it also just gives so much obviously credibility and not only that but you have the support of this huge community 
behind you. And like, obviously Don Diablo is incredible and his work is amazing, but it's, it's really, really cool. And I love all of the tracks that you've put out on that label and you mentioned it here, but you started your own label too. Like, how did that yeah. come about? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So originally, um, you know, Fresh Squeeze, which is my label was just kind of, like I said, an outlet for me to put out music that, uh, maybe wasn't going to get signed or I was just impatient and wanted to release it in like mm-hmm. three weeks. So a lot of times that's how I work. I get very excited about <laughs> it and I'm like, all right, this has to come out like in three weeks. I don't want to mm-hmm. wait, you know, cause the label process can be up to six months. Sometimes it's crazy Wow. Okay. Uh, from when you make a song. So I just wanted to have that kind of outlet. Um, and so that's where Fresh Squeeze came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I've just, you know, I love the color orange. I love oranges, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I wanted to do something that was like fresh house music or fresh dance music, not really love it. confining to like future bass or a specific genre, but just fresh music, fresh, mm-hmm. fresh stuff. Uh, so that's where the Fresh Squeeze name came from. Um, and yeah, and, and then the relationship with Hexagon happened and, you know, then we actually just released our first new artist on Fresh Squeeze uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Lukes, uh, who put out an absolute banger. So you gotta go so check cool. that out, so put your hands in the air. Uh, yeah. So that was the first new artist I actually signed to the, to the label uh, outside awesome. of just my music. Awesome. Uh, How long did that take too, to get him to release a song? Uh, I'd say probably about like a month and a half months yeah okay. um you know when when the label first launched as a sub of hexagon i got like probably 150 to 200 demos uh so wow. a lot of just kind of picking through and finding the best uh for the sound for the label mm-hmm. and you know one thing i'm realizing because i used to get demos a lot too and i, I still do mm-hmm. but quality of production I'm, I'm noticing is just getting so much better uh really from, like there's probably there's probably like 10 or 15 in there I was like, all right, maybe I'll sign this, but and then I sent it to the hex guy, and they're like, no, let's focus on this one or this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's something I'm realizing is just just the quality is getting so much so mm-hmm. much better. Yeah, yeah. I can't. E- I genuinely can't even imagine how. Yeah, like how you make yourself stand out or something because even every every single week I do a new music Friday playlist. And there's just so much to pick from. And I know I'm just scratching the surface because I'll just, I'll go through and hit all the major labels and everything like that. Or people have emailed me songs that I'm like, I'm not even hitting like all, there's so many smaller artists out there who have new music yeah. out today. It's it's genuinely crazy. Plus people have had a, a year to do, yeah, do yeah. to work on their skills, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like for an artist to have a hit, it's just a combination of, of kind of luck and, and just timing and the right sound and mm-hmm. all those things kind of play in you know yeah. like on summit uh deep end um which i'm sure you, you know that he's record, having right? a huge moment yeah it's crazy. and it, it came from uh from a sample on spice which is like a a free uh and yeah i'm not sure if you're familiar with spice at all yep yep okay. so yeah so you know what spice is and i'm sure a lot of your listeners do it came from there so it's like anyone could have potentially grabbed that vocal mm-hmm. um, and it just happened and there there was like three other deep end songs that came out but his so interesting the the one the forefront yeah Um, yeah you know so i think it's just about being proactive as as a producer and Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of producers that i noticed too that are pretty good sometimes they overthink or they just like you know they Mm -hmm. wait months and months and months to release music and it's more about just like getting it out there seeing if people react well to it um and hopefully something will will happen you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. I'm thinking of so many questions in my head to ask you. I'm so excited. Okay, so I, I'm curious, like, how the process works, too, just going back to the labels, because I think it'd be interesting for the audience to know as well. So you said before, like, you put a single out and you kind of send it to a few different labels, but is it ever the reverse? Like, do you also team up with labels and come up with a song? Or, like, how does that um, work? So the couple instances where that has happened, is it has happened where a label comes to me, but it's usually they'll come to me with like a pack of vocals that they got mm. um, from from like a uh, publisher or something like that. Okay. And they, hey, do you like any of these vocals? Uh, would like to try something on it. And then I'll find like a vocal or two in there that I actually really attach to mm-hmm. uh, and then write around the vocal. Um, I'm a very big advocate on not really starting from scratch. I think it's nearly impossible for a producer to start with with absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But kudos to those that do it. It's just I'm more of like uh, start with something decent and then make it amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so getting like good vocals, it it makes it so much easier to write music around. 
mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to starting from scratch. So that's got a couple is where a, a label has sent me, hey, you know, we got these vocals, mm-hmm. you know, would you want to try something? And then the track kind of develops from there. Um, aside from that, it's, it's usually me shopping it around. I've also mm-hmm. had labels approach me and say, hey, we, we'd love to sign something from you. Do you got anything kind of got in, it. In back burner that you can send over? And so okay. that them. makes sense. Okay, cool. And so with your label as well, if you just want to put something out, is it you, your team, like how are you building out the whole push like on social media and everything like that? Yeah, so it's really, it's me and then one other guy from Hexagon that, I, that I'm mm-hmm. doing mainly. Um, and we just kind of like, you know, I'm like, hey, I like this one. What do you think? Kind of just a back and forth, very open dialogue. I have mm-hmm. a, a Zoom call with him like once or twice uh, a month. Okay. Go through records, go through ideas, marketing, mm-hmm. everything. Um, I, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for close to ten years, so I have a pretty mm-hmm. good understanding now of, of what you know how to market a record. Process, yeah. yeah the process, how labels, what their role is, um, mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, so I try and be pretty hands-on. Like I'm literally even making the artwork for all the fresh. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very hands-on with stuff. Um, okay. I mean, I actually learned from like Don um, is very hands-on with with the Hexagon brand. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as an artist, you know, it's not enough to just make good music. You have mm-hmm. to have a, a vision for for your brand and and for kind of what you want people to perceive uh, when. Mm-hmm. when go to a show or when they find you online or, or see you on Instagram, yeah, uh, you know, and I wanted to create kind of a, a brand to kind of emulate what I had in my head, which mm-hmm. is just kind of feel good house music and, and yeah, happy vibes. Yeah, no, you are. You're built. You're definitely building that. And I think part of it, too, is like building out your community as well, because that's huge now with like social media. It's a whole separate presence that you kind of need to nurture as well besides your music and like you can build a, a huge loyal following just on social media alone who's going to back you too it's yeah. just like a whole nother part of it you got to like pay attention to yeah and like it happens like people just have a, a hit record out of nowhere and then mm-hmm. they're massive but i feel like the most common uh thing that happens for successful artists is they build that local community they build mm-hmm. a, a community of loyal fans and then they have a record that kind of pops off and yep, then yep, yep. everyone discovers them. Yeah. You know, I don't really know John Summit's backstory, but I feel like he's been doing it for a little bit mm-hmm. um, and kind of had a more local following. But yeah. Right. Yeah. It always seems to be the case. That's what I always think. I'm like, any, there's probably been four or five or six years behind this person, like that yeah, they finally like, are having oh, their moment. Oh, yeah, having the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's good. But like you said, I think sometimes with that, though, you build at least like that's how I think about my own work sometimes like you're building a really really solid foundation that you can fall back on because you're not trying to get these like quick wins you really have put in the time and the work yeah exactly and you you know at the end of the day you have to love it like anything Mm -hmm. like if you don't absolutely love making music it's probably not going to happen because it's just you know like I'm up still at 1am working on a song because you know it drives me and I I love the music Mm -hmm. you know so Um, true yeah. yeah. What about the, cause you said you've, you've been doing this for a really long time. Like what about the industry right now or just about dance music in general, like excites you the most? I, I think that house music has found such a big community. Um, I was just talking to my buddy uh, Crespo who's playing shows back to playing shows. He's a more open format uh, DJ, which means mm-hmm. he like, you know, all styles. Uh, but he's just like, like tech house is just slaying like the college, the college crowds, like young. Right. Like 20, 21, they go absolutely nuts when you when you play like a, a tech house track, like a John Summit track or a Fisher mm-hmm. track, like that which is something that definitely five, ten years ago was not the, the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with this just repetitive, you know, beat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kind of excites me that the younger generation is starting to really love the more kind of what used to be an underground sound. But I guess that's kind of how it always works. It starts as underground and then it becomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but that that makes me happy. And then just, you know, like I said, I think that the live music industry, um, DJ sets, clubs, festivals are going to just have an explosion the next five years mm-hmm. because people have been so kept away from it and, and mm-hmm. not allowed to go out, um, you know. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I mean, I think just to see the revival of this community and, you know, people having their jobs back first and foremost and then, you know, fans having that, thing that like drives all of us and gets us excited and being able to celebrate and be together again I think 
yeah I, I can't wait we talk about it all the time we're just like i don't think we're prepared emotionally or physically <laughs> for the return of like live events and shows it's been so long especially i'm in new jersey we haven't had any um okay. drive-in events like nothing yeah so it's been it's definitely been like a long drought of shows but i'm i'm hoping to return to a festival soon if edc yeah. doesn't happen in may is it ha like I'm, I'm so on <laughs> is it happening and no one know, no one knows everyone's like is it going on um, i'm reporting as often yeah. as i can on it uh no i yeah. mean i think right now everything i've heard is like they've they want it to happen and they submitted all the plans but it's like really like it's not up to them it's up to the yeah. government and the state like, at this yeah, point. i know nevada is like all like let's well, open and mm -hmm. yeah, is fully open yeah um, you know i went to yeah, not this uh, yeah not this is good <laughs> i went to Disney like a month ago or so okay. and it was it was slammed like nothing was happening and i'm mm -hmm. like not really fair that you could say that that's okay but then an outdoor music mm -hmm. festival isn't okay yeah uh, and I think if they just kind of enforce masks and, you know, say certain areas for drinking and stuff mm -hmm. like that, kind of restrict about it, there shouldn't be a reason that it, it shouldn't happen. Totally. You know, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I, I keep so there's an episode coming out before this one where I like just raw and candid, like said my thoughts and opinions like on the state of everything right now. And I think that's like there just is no straight and narrow road like there isn't one size fits all solution <laughs> to this like it's up to each state and it's going to yeah. be what it is i guess yeah so we'll have to see what happens yeah but anyway okay so i want to ask you too because you're located right now in the academy can you talk a little bit about the wire sound academy yeah yeah so we're a music production and dj academy um that myself and my buddy dj crespo founded uh it really was based off of trying to build community here in south florida and kind of build up the music industry here because uh, it's got like insane potential to be a, like in LA or in New York mm -hmm. um, you know it's just been very Latin music based for for the past you know couple decades uh, but I'm think I think you're starting to see more DJs more uh, pop artists stuff like that move to, to South Florida mm -hmm. uh, so we wanted to kind of create a hub for uh, aspiring producers inspiring DJs and then also just people that are here that are in the industry to come meet up, hang out. I can actually, I think I can show you like around real quick. Oh, that'd be it, awesome. The cool thing is we're located <laughs> in a uh, in a food hall. So- Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so this is the, the main studio that I'm in right now. Awesome. We got in here, the main classroom is a little bit in shambles right now. Um, and then yeah, we're overlooking like an actual uh, food hall. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. They're, they're closed right now. It's Wednesday through Sundays. And okay. You can kind of see there's like a little nightclub that we're setting up. Oh, um, that's so awesome. Yeah. So, and that was the other thing. Eventually, we want to plug our DJs. We don't want to just be like, all right, good luck. You know, you learn, mm -hmm. go figure it out. We want them to actually be playing um, shows here and playing mm -hmm. like locally. Um, COVID kind of affected things a little bit with that, but we've been able to plug some of our DJs and to actually get them paid gigs and, and mm -hmm. all that. Um, and that was really the kind of whole foundation. It was just, you know, more more of like a collective than just an academy churning people out. You know? Right, right. What are the students like? Like, is it a range of people? Yeah, it's, it's very, um, definitely, definitely been a range. I'd say like 16 to, we've had up to like 40 years old um you know wow. some people are in a nine to five and they just are not loving it and they want to mm -hmm. do something they love on their off time some people are like this is what they want to do um and just kind of go more full force into it mm -hmm. uh, really yeah it's definitely been a, a wide range of, of people for for what their goals are with it sure. that's so cool that you're offering that too like so how much time does this take up in your week uh with, with wired you're saying with, yeah with are you there a lot yeah, but it's cool because like I'm in the studio here right now, so I just kind of work on music. I, I'm very, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like from here to here to here to here. I'm just kind of all over the place with with my time. Yeah. Uh, but even when I talk, like I, I teach some classes too on music production, I still get to like kind of go over current situations. Like you know, I'm like, all right, this is the uh, the record deal that I'm looking at right now for this track, mm. um, and it's kind of productive in both ways. And I also get to discover um, like new music and, and some of the people, the, the um, students in my class will show me like, hey, you know, have you heard of this artist or like, mm -hmm. you know, think of this sound. And it kind of, like I said, kind of helps me keep my ear to the ground for 
what's maybe an up and coming sound or a style. Um, Also, you know, like kind of just creates a local fan base. Um, You know, my students have become my fans and also I've become Mm -hmm. uh, some of the students and like actually collabed with one of the students um, and stuff like that. So it's, it's for me, it's really cool to see kind of, you know, aspiring producers and then also Mm -hmm. hear maybe what's next and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that. yeah, I was going to say the collaboration part of it must be like really rewarding for you as well. Not only that, and just to see them like progress as they go. Yeah, to to see results and stuff and to see some of these like DJ students actually like slaying it and playing like all the venues here that are that are open. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously it's, it's something that's really rewarding and then just like cool to see, you know, mm-hmm. and we have a, a monthly um, music industry and open deck mixer event. Okay. Uh, with COVID, we were limiting it to like 30 people, uh, but now we're starting to open it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that's been really cool also because every we have past students come out. We have people that are like kind of more big players that, uh, you know, work at the radio stations down here or uh, work at, you know, our talent buyers for, for nightclubs down here come out and mm-hmm. just kind of more of a networking event. Um, and now with COVID kind of, kind of uh, settling down a little bit, we're going to open that up a little bit more. And have more people come out and just kind of make it more of a networking thing, you know. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Oh, my God. You got a lot of things going on here. You're keeping busy, it sounds like. (laughs) What do you do in your downtime? (laughs) I I think with, you know, especially as like a modern day musician, Mm -hmm. it's not enough anymore to just be making music. You Mm got to be doing something all the time. Yeah. Whether you're a graphic designer part time, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, there's I think you'll find that a lot of artists kind of have side stuff and Mm -hmm. for me personally as an artist I've always made the best music where it hasn't been like I need to sit down and make a banger today but Mm -hmm. more by like release like okay I just worked four hours on on the academy let me sit down and just kind of you know let my mind loose a little bit and and try and write some some feel-good stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where I've come up with the best the best stuff it hasn't been forcing the process right right I think artists a lot of them might be better off if they had kind of a a side thing going on at the same time Mm -hmm. because it doesn't put that pressure on yeah yeah yeah. I was gonna say it's kind of like a certain like you kind of get inspired by all of the other projects you're doing and all all the other outlets you have and people you're listening to yeah and using it as an outlet to kind of like Mm -hmm. off steam instead of you know like some people mm-hmm. for a run or go to the gym, I just sit down on Ableton for three hours and yeah. work on music. That's kind of my like, you know. Yep, like, yep, yep. Oh, so, that's yeah. awesome. It's ex- I'm so excited for you. I really can't wait to see like everything blow up for you. And it's just like, I'm excited for you to be able for things to open up and you to be able to get back to, to playing shows and stuff like that. But I have my last few questions for you here while we're manifesting things. Uh, who are some dream collaborations you would love to have one day? So you know, in like, in general, outside of the dance world as well. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these, these are like ones that don't really make sense, but like I'm a huge Stein <laughs> fan, Gustafelstein. Oh, okay. Um, which is just like, you know, super dark techno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, lo- I love him. I love his artistry. So someone like that would be okay. unbelievable. Uh, Lana Del Rey. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Her. I'm really all over the place. Uh <laughs> Um, let's see who else Don Diablo would be definitely a, a bucket list I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. I always send him music I'm like hey you know let me know <laughs> always here it'll happen uh, yeah those, those are some of the, the few and I'm more of like always finding new artists and stuff like that like like you said like vintage mm-hmm. or Dombrowski mm-hmm. uh, they're not like really dream clubs I just always get excited when I discover a new artist and kind of dive in mm-hmm. so like right now like MK would be a dream collab yeah, uh, but in five years from now, I'm sure I'd, I'd say someone different. You know? Yep. So. Ooh, okay. What about festivals? What What are some fest- festivals you still would love to play? Um, well, EDC has. Yeah, you know, I've I've mm. played it a couple times, and that was. I I need to probably go to more. Like I haven't been to Tomorrow uh, Tomorrow World yet, or, or Tomorrowland. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably like I've just seen videos of it, so that would definitely mm-hmm. be a bucket list. Uh, and then obviously like uh, like Coachella or Bonnaroo would be super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I need to get out of my shell a little bit more. With I'm, I've just been very EDC centric. Same. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like it's hard though. When there's so, I mean, when they when there are so many incredible festivals in like in the United States, it, it's hard. But 
yeah, this past year I've been doing a ton of research on like festivals internationally. Right. Yeah, and there's just so many that look so incredible. I'm like, after this is over, I'm going international. See you later. <laughs> there's, there's one in, I think it's Croatia, right? Um, mm. I can't think of the name, but it's like a like a 48 day festival or something like that. I, oh, I think. wow. Doing insane where it just like doesn't stop for mm -hmm. like forever. Croatia would be beautiful, yeah. So something like that would be would be sweet also. Ooh, okay. And then you said you're a big traveler too. Like what are some what are some favorite cities you've done already that you loved? Yeah, so um let's see. Well yeah, so I've played Sweden a couple of times and uh a place called Orebru. Orebro, I never say it. I'm horrible <laughs> with like I probably butchered, you know, cities you're good. all that. Uh but yeah, so um that was that was pretty cool because it's just it's always cool when you go to a new city or a new country that you've never been to and you're like wow mm -hmm. i have some fans here mm -hmm. uh so that was really cool to, cool to see uh i love san francisco uh mm -hmm. i played there a few times and it's always a fun crowd miami obviously for <laughs> miami music week stuff like that is, is always amazing yep um and i'm trying to think if there's anywhere else that has been like i college college cities like co college uh i put mm -hmm. a couple college festivals and just the energy is kind of unmatched because they're just like there to party. Yeah, yeah. I, I played can't like even. Purdue. I played like a, you know, it was like a student. It was like the dance mm -hmm. community at the college through this party. Wow. Uh, and that, that was like unreal, you know. Well, so. hopefully you'll hope you hopefully you'll do a lot of traveling <laughs> when this is up and some big events will come up for you and stuff like that. And yeah, we'll, we were going to manifest EDC Orlando, EDC Las Vegas, all those things. And I seriously wish you like all of the best. I'm really excited to see, you know, new tracks, any posts you have on social media. Uh, I'm really, really excited for you. Oh, before you go, plug where everybody can connect with you too. Yeah, so all socials are at, at Landis Official and then uh, the Academy is at Wired Sound Academy underscore on Instagram and Fresh Squeeze is at Fresh Squeeze HQ on, on Instagram. Yeah, I'm pretty active, mainly on Instagram for, for all my socials. Okay, sweet. And on TikTok, too. <laughs> We're trying to get you. <laughs> I, I get so much better. I just need to get more <laughs> I love it. Like, I yeah. called TikTok, like, in 2018, I've been messaging shufflers on there since then. That's so funny. Um, it's, yeah, it's so cool as, as a platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're big on there, right? You're, I don't know. I mean, like, I think it's a lot to keep up with. Like, as a as a creator, to to do really well on it, you have to post like so many times a day, and I just like can't yeah. right now. But to as a user, love it. It's addicting. <laughs> yeah, not enough DJs are on there. We gotta we gotta change that. I'm posting like you know I try like three times a week, but I should be doing like you know ten times it's a day. It's crazy. Like yeah, the algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> yeah, I know it's too much, but no, I mean you're doing the best you can. You're busy. Keep up with everything. Um, yeah, and everybody go support. Show show some love. I will link to all of your pages on here. Um, Landis, hang tight. Everybody else, I'll be back with EDM News. Alrighty, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Landis. Again, please go show him some love and support. Check out the record label and any of the new releases they have. And again, if you guys are aspiring artists and you live in the Fort Lauderdale area, definitely check out the Wired Sound Academy and see if you can learn a thing or two and uh, join their group over there. Um, okay, I want to dive into news because we have a very big thing to talk about today, which is obviously the EDC Las Vegas announcement. Um, so at, at the time I'm recording this on Friday the 9th, um, we just heard officially that EDC Las Vegas will be taking place this May 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. It is the 25th anniversary of this event. So that is all really, really exciting. Um, if you guys didn't listen to the episode, I think it was two episodes ago, I spoke for an hour about my feelings on live events coming back. And like I said, it's in that episode, it's not an easy decision. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. But I did say in that if EDC does happen in May, I am going to go um, and I feel confident in that decision. I will be fully vaccinated. I'm going to be able to quarantine before and after. Um, like everybody, I think it's going to feel very weird when we first get there. And I have a lot of questions about their health and safety plan. Um, but I have faith and trust in the Insomniac team and we will see what they decide to roll out. Um, I completely understand anybody who's very frustrated, people who wanted it to be in October, people who are tr can't travel because they live internationally. Like it fucking sucks because there's a large number of people who aren't able to to attend based on this decision to have it in May. 
So I hear you guys and I feel for you. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I'm going to vlog the entire experience, of course. Um, and then anybody who is able to attend, please don't throw shade or hate at them. Like it's happening. It's a legal event. And, you know, if people want to attend and go have a good time, they have every right to do that. So, um, you know, it is what it is. And if any of you guys can't attend, push your tickets to 2022. Like that will come around so fast it like a year flies by so fast you have no idea and you'll probably get even more of a full in quotations full EDC experience if you do it next year I mean who knows what what it'll be like but here's the announcement really quickly so basically Pasquale Rotella said Electric Daisy Carnival is finally on the horizon there were times during this pandemic when many of us lost hope we were challenged to learn and listen to our hearts and trust that the storm would eventually pass making way for a bright and sunny future for those in the community and around the world. With the world being shut down for over a year, I'm happy to announce we are on our way to being able to celebrate in person, book your flights, hotels, and shuttles. EDC Las Vegas is on for May 21st through the 23rd. This is where it gets interesting. Did you guys just hear my stomach? (laughs) I'm literally so hungry. You just growled. Okay. We are moving forward as planned and we will be working closely with local and state officials to make the show as safe as possible. You can expect the full EDC experience with no details spared from the festival grounds to the music, stages, performance, excuse me, art performers, artists, and fireworks. I look forward to seeing all your beautiful faces and feeling your incredible energy and couldn't be more excited. More details on safety protocols and the lineup will be shared soon. Details to come on that, you guys. Oh my gosh. If you're unable to attend, no worries. You will be missed. You can get the link in my bio to transfer your tickets. I'm hearing, I could be wrong, but I'm hearing the cutoff date to transfer your tickets is April 15th, which would be tomorrow. So if you want to transfer your tickets, you guys, act on that quickly. Um, Okay. I'm not really going to touch on how I feel about it. Again, I did that in the other episode. I'm going. I'm excited about it. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Okay. In other news... Oh, Lost Lands sold out. Not surprising at all. Is anybody surprised about that? Um, yeah, Lost Lands has officially sold out, which is crazy. Um, Elenium announced that he has a new album dropping this summer called Fallen Embers, which I know all of my millennials will be really, really excited about. Um, and the last thing, I didn't really want to end on this note, but I do need to talk about the news that just recently came out about the lawsuit filed against Bass Nectar. So I'm going to get into that really quickly. Okay, there's been a lot of major coverage on this. This has made like major, major headlines. So this is from Business Insider. Um, A new lawsuit against EDM superstar Bass Nectar accuses him of sex trafficking, statutory rape, and producing child pornography, which are very, very heavy claims. Um, So basically two people have filed a federal lawsuit against the artist Bass Nectar, otherwise uh, his real name, Lauren Ashton. The lawsuit accuses him of making child pornography, sex trafficking, and statutory rape. Um, Ashton's attorney told Insider that the accusations against the musician are untrue. Um, of course, so he's denying everything. But this is the, as far as I know, because I've covered the story in the past, like he over a year ago made his public statement saying he was like taking a step back from, you know, the Bass Nectar Project and music. Um, but there were no official lawsuits against him at that time. There were stories, there was a page called Evidence Against Bass Nectar, but um, there was also a recording of him that came out that was pretty damning you know, I think accusing him of grooming or something along those lines. So there was definitely evidence against him, but this is the official federal lawsuit that's been filed against him. Um, What else does this say? Uh, The lawsuit against Ashton was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Tennessee by two former fans. I'm not going to use their names here. Both plaintiffs accused the musician of manipulating them, coercing them into producing and sending naked images while underage and of statutory rape. Um, In the filing, the plaintiffs allege Ashton exhibited a penchant for underage women that was known amongst his peers. The filing indicates it was a running joke among those associated with Bass Nectar that he would have to find a date at a high school dance. That's disgusting. Um, There was also these women also accused the artist of paying them $300 to $1,600 in cash after having sexual intercourse and encouraged them to watch a movie, American Beauty, a film centered around a man in his 40s who falls in love with a 16-year-old daughter's friend. Okay, anyway, I don't want to get into this. It's like very disturbing and troubling. Um, yeah, that's out there. If you guys want to read the article, it's extremely upsetting and disappointing isn't even the right fucking word. I don't even really know what to say. It's disgusting. I was never a fan um, of Bass Deckner. I know he's coming in the camp of... 
um, denying all of these allegations, but I will leave that up to you guys to read all of the information, resources, and make your own judgment. But um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of damning evidence against him and some of his actions in the own recording of him. So not a fan. Uh, and this is absolutely horrible. And, you know, I stand with anybody standing up and speaking their truth. So I will keep you guys posted on what happens with that lawsuit. Um, that was the last thing I had today. I, again, just really want to thank you guys for checking out these episodes and being a part of the Rave Culture Cast family. You are so, so, so appreciated. And I hope you're enjoying the episodes that I've been coming out with lately. Um, more to come on EDC, you guys. I will definitely do an episode to help anybody prepare out there who's like freaking out right now. But um, yes, again, the Plur Collection is officially out. If you guys want to pick up anything from the merch line, there will be a link in the show notes. And of course, you guys, I would love, love, love to work with you inside my podcasting course. So this is your sign. If you've ever wanted to start and you need somebody to tell you these are the exact steps you should take to launch your podcast in six weeks, I'm your girl. So definitely would love to have you in class. The registration link will be up. And again, right now I'm doing a pre-sale offer. It is $100 off the full course price. So get in on that while you guys can. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I appreciate you being here and I will see you next Wednesday. Bye guys.